Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. I guess our forecasters weren't wrong on the prediction of uh, last week's storm. You know, when I said last week's podcast, we just need to batten down the hatches and let it pass through. I uh, didn't realize we are going to have to get out boats and everything else in between. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty impressive weather event uh, in our survey, which pretty much takes in the whole state and parts of Iowa that you guys filled out. Uh, big, big bunch of you in that six to eight inches of rain. Uh, our least in that survey was a little under an inch to uh, right at 12 inches. But amazing how many guys in the end end up in that six to eight inch range from a water standpoint. McLean County right here actually uh, where I live was hit the hardest. I'm right at about a foot at our house stretching from Hayworth up through Hudson up into Fort County. Some of the biggest damage to roads and, and fields and stuff is in that area there where Friday night picking up over eight inches in that one event. So that was kind of a rough deal. Thomas said it was a 500-year rainforest. Seems like a 100-year rain is pretty easy to get. Now we're thinking about 500-year rains. So a lot of questions about, you know, how long would this crop last underwater? You know, what, what what's in front of us? From previous years, all the way back to 93 through even 2015, about 48 hours underwater with these temperatures, a crop can survive much more than that. Um, we're going to lose it, which means in some of these fields still waiting to get rid of backed up water, we're going to have some dead spots. As far as water standing in the crop, that's a little bit different. I've seen corn back in 2015. We had corn that survived standing in water for four days. These moderate temperatures will help. If we had some of those 100 degree temperatures that other parts of the country are seeing, this stuff would be toast. Um, but yes, we're going to have some uh, some dead areas out in these fields out there. So, you know, now's a good time to uh, to put your drones up uh, or look at your aerial image images. So you guys are getting your your images shot routinely to look for the dying crop or the yellowing in the crop. The other thing I would look for if you're putting the drones up is to look for that gully erosion. These gullies are going to be an issue for fungicide spraying and harvesting that's going to come around later. So if you can see it now before the crop completely covers it up, uh, start taking some pictures and we can help you map those out to make sure we don't get ourselves in trouble. Now lessons learned from 2015 when we had 16 inches of rain in the month of June. Didn't come in big chunks like this one did. It come more prolonged over time. But is we got to control the weeds in those drowned out areas. We are still fighting pressure from the 2015 event where we left those ponds and let them basically grow to water hemp. And the water hemp seed has just been giving us, still giving us fits uh, how much, you know, 10, 5, 7 years later. So again, even if you got to, if you have to cut a trail out to them to get an ATV sprayer out to them, but let's, let's, keep those ponds under control. Uh, in 2015, we did put some of them into cover crops and that helped keep the weed under uh, the weeds under control. But don't let those weeds go to seed when we're talking about four or five acres of solid water hemp. That's just a tremendous amount of pressure you're putting on the farm. Now on the soybean side, um, again, as far as what effect are we having on the soybeans, some of these soybeans are going to die. Uh, a lot of these soybeans in the low-lying areas were covered up, and some of them are still covered up. 
One of the nice things about uh, a second rain is we did wash some of the mud off of the soybeans and that'll help. But I do expect to see uh, by next week we'll know where the dead beans are. They'll, they'll visually show it. But we are starting to see some yellowing already. And the question about, you know, what effect does that have on the soybean crop? Yesterday we were out in uh, uh, a couple of fields that were planted early, flowering heavy. And we tried to get as close to the pond as we could, so we weren't in standing water, but we definitely were saturated uh, to get a good look at the pods on the plant. And yes, the beans are aborting pods. So the pods are laying on the ground. Um, this is enough stress to, to knock those pods off. Now, it's not knocking them all off, but some of that premium of planting early in these saturated soils um, is showing up as far as the pods are falling off. Now remember, a soybean aborts 60-70% of its pods anyway, so it's not the end of the world from that standpoint, and pod abortion can come from your herbicide sprays, pod abortion can come from three, four cloudy days in a row is enough to cause some pod abortion when we really shut down the photosynthesis. So these saturated soils, there's no oxygen there, it's kind of got this plant locked up. You're going to notice a yellowing in these uh, saturated areas on the soybeans and that's going to be first due to lack of oxygen and of course that lack of oxygen is going to lead to poor root growth but also it's going to kill off the rhizobia bacteria so the nodules are going to turn black after the soil drains away bacteria will come back root growth will come back and this coloring will come back but in that lap in there that um, we're stressing these beans unfortunately we are losing flowers and we're using some of the pods so some of that early premium to planting in those areas has probably been given up. Next week, we'll probably start to see the high pH zone show up, meaning that just as the saturated areas are starting to turn back green, you'll notice low-lying areas that have high pH because we've flushed any acidity that would have been out there out of the way, you'll see iron chlorosis show up. Uh, and that's a little bit different, meaning that iron chlorosis, again, if it happens during flower set, you're going to abort flowers and pods. You may entertain some foliar feeding in those situations to see if you can snap that bean back around quicker. Um, but you're probably not going to see that till the end of next week, the week after. You'll start to see your iron chlorosis areas out there in the field show up. The other thing we're going to see in the beans, unfortunately, is rhizoctonia and phytophthora are going to raise their heads again. In a number of fields, we're dealing with rhizoctonia already this spring, which dampered off... Um, a number of the root systems and with rhizoctonia you need a little bit of rain so it can regenerate roots and get going again and uh, come back from it but this kind of rain event saturated soils we're going to have the water molds go to work for us and we are going to lose some soybeans in those saturated areas to the rhizoctonia and phytophthora at this point there's not much we can do about it um, but you'll see some dead areas dead plants out in the field and and might see a foot or row where the plants are dying. So we have to kind of expect that. The big question we're getting is how much N have we lost in this whole process? And that depends on a little bit of a number of factors. For instance, you know, how much of this rain actually infiltrated? A lot of people got six to eight inches, like we got eight inches in Friday night. Um, we're probably lucky if two to three inches actually infiltrated the ground. And the rest ran off, hence all the damage to roads and everything else out there. So it's not quite as bad as it looked as if we had a 6-inch rain scattered over 10 days or 8-inch rain over 10 days. That's 
more detrimental to your end program per se. Now, how much went in is going to affect only the nitrates. So the ammonium part of that nitrogen or urea portion that's still out there, that's fairly safe. It's the nitrate portion. The nitrates can be pushed down uh, from a leaching standpoint into the second foot into the tile, or they can be denitrified. And there's probably where we do carry a lot of risk in some of these lower-lying areas that became saturated and are sitting there saturated is we'll denitrify that nitrogen off back into the atmosphere. Um, and situation where we're going to probably run short or potential to run short in those areas. So the question is, what, what can we do about that? Well, you got to assess the risk. Here again, the you guys that are getting your aerial images taken on a routinely basis, look at the before and after. Look for the zones in the field that might indicate that we're running into trouble. Right now, as you put your drones up, you're going to see some yellowing in the corn, and that's going to be just like the beans. It's going to be oxygen deficient, sulfur deficient. You're going to see that. Once we move this water away, then the question is, how do we survive in nitrogen? The nitrogen issue is not going to show up in a lot of these fields until the end of July, first part of August. But any corn now that is yellow from lack of oxygen is probably prone to a lot of end loss through denitrification. So um, we can use those drone imageries or your aerial imageries to pick out um, where, where the highest risk areas are. For a lot of you guys, as we go through your yield maps, we mark over the last 10 years, we mark zones of high risk, nitrogen high risk areas. A year like this is exactly what that rating is all about. So you take a look at your, your soil test map from us. You'll see down below the key of all your soil tests will be end loss. And it'll be a list of soil samples that we think are high risk. Those are the samples we want to pay attention to or the zones that we want to pay attention to. So we can go back in there and, and pull nitrates after this. we got to get this thing dried back out. we got to get things going. Um... We're going to go back in there and pull nitrates in those areas to see how well we fared at the one foot and the two foot level. Now, no doubt the highest risk right now are all you guys that put the bulk of your in on in the fall. So you have to take warning that, that most of all of that had to be in the nitrate form and you were picking it up at eight to 10 pounds a day and still are. So that's the high risk. Next would be all the spring applied in that was broadcast. Uh, that would be the next category. The least amount would be the stuff that went on here the last couple weeks in the wide drop format. A lot of that is still in the ammonium form and still somewhat protected. But we're putting pressure on the whole system. But boys, we can't walk away from this crop. In 2015, we saw 30 to 60 bushel responses to adding more in after receiving that 16 inches of rain in June. So we don't want to have the foundation here for a 270 bushel crop and then as we fill out there in August end up back at 220. So we do want to step up the plate and pay attention to this. So between the drone images that you shoot or your aerial images, topo maps that we have for you, yield history, and spot checking nitrates, we can build some rescue VRT maps for you to go back in and rescue if you have access to high clearance wide drop equipment. We can also bring in, like we did in 2015, we can bring in urea uh, and fly it in in that situation. So again, 
yes, um, this is something to be concerned about. This is a high amount of water uh, at the at the time when we have a lot of N in the nitrate form. So we want to stay on top of that as managers out there, the pest team. Let's not let's not let this thing slip away. I'm not so much worried about corn turning yellow in the next 10 days and staying yellow. I'm worried about the corn that turns yellow a week or two after pollination and stays yellow. And that's what happens when we don't have enough to go the distance. Our Easter corn uh, is pollinating, getting calls from guys that saying that it's very uneven, the pollination. But guys, that's what we kind of expected because the, our Easter planter window is, is running into some stress, getting it out of the ground and uh, getting it uniform in that emergence. But we still want to stay on top of it and make sure that it gets pollinated. That 20 or 30% that's going to be a week or so behind um, the rest of the, the field is not going to put on a full ear. But with today's prices, we'll take whatever we get. So as you watch these uneven pollinating fields, stay with them, scouts. Get in there make sure they're getting pollinated all the way through. Your biggest threat right now is the Japanese beetle. And if the Japanese beetle moves into these fields, it's going to go after those lady mergers. And here in a, a week or so, we're going to have to deal with the, the uh, silk clipping from the rootworm beetle as well. But let's make sure these guys get pollinated. With today's prices, we want to take, even if it's a half an ear, we're going to take it. Now, the other place that I expect the same issue to show up is that corn planted on the Mother's Day weekend. And that's kind of the weekend where we got a lot of rough stands and... Um, through that week and a lot of replants. Remember the replants in these fields are going to pollinate, in this case, three weeks sometimes behind the rest of the field. We can't forget our replant pockets out there. Again, this year with these prices, we want those replants to get pollinated out there. With this much rain and our canopies are closing in the corn, most of our water loss is going to start to move from evaporation to transpiration meaning we're going to have to transpire this water out so what that means is this water is going to be around for a bit that's in the soil and it's going to raise our humidity so these cornfields are going to carry a pretty good load of humidity for some time disease pressure will start to build over the next three weeks so again this is teeing it up for our fungicide application so as we start to look up until now it's been pretty much disease free we've had a nice uh start to this crop but that's going to change as we deal with this much humidity so let's be on top of that with this weather pattern and with today's prices if you haven't sprayed fungicide in the past you may want to reconsider that especially in your corn on corn or your weak diseased hybrids or your d hybrids again don't don't let this opportunity slip by us those of you who fought the down corn last year with all the wind issues that we had, unfortunately this rain will bring round three of volunteer corn. So have a plan in place on how we're going to clean that up. Guys, wait, there are some rough spots out there. In most cases, the beans are going to be shorter than normal. The corn is going to be a little bit shorter than normal. I do believe, though, we've got the foundation under a monster of a crop here. So manage it and market it accordingly. Here at Crop Tech, the crew is busy getting ready for our field day and the Corn College event, as well as cranking on the fertilizer maps from all of the soil testing. We here will be closed Monday uh, for the 4th, and we here at Crop Tech wish everyone a happy 4th of July. 
go forth and celebrate this great nation. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.